0: Welcome to Athletes Entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey. I'm your host, Rob Finkelstein, CEO and founder of Alumni Direct. We've created a platform to help alumni to network and connect through their affinity relationships, whether it be through their college alumni, whether it be business alumni associations, fraternities, sororities, or athletes. And that's what we're doing today uh, is is talking to athletes. And one of the things we've done is we've created the show to teach and inspire athletes that there is life after sports. And we're really excited today to have... Reed Meyer on with us. Reed, uh, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Rob, thanks so much for having me.
0: Uh, you're welcome. So we're excited. Uh, Reed is a former college baseball player. Uh, he has a master's in sports development. He's a certified college counselor, and more importantly, uh, he's co-founder and CEO of Athletes to Athletes, which is doing a great job. And he's going to tell us a lot more about that later on. So uh, we're going to start out with the uh, the easy question. I always say is, tell me about playing sports growing up and uh, and
1: how it shaped you? Yeah, so sports for me was a a, a tentpole, for lack of a better term, in my in my sort of growing up years. So I, I my dad was played college athletics. My sister was involved in dance, um, pretty competitively. My my mother wasn't involved in sports, but she was the Hall of Fame sport mom. <laughs> she made sure everybody got where they needed to be. She had retrofitted her entire trunk to be extra belts, extra pants, snacks, first aid kits, all that kind of stuff. And so she was really, I mean, she leaned into it wholeheartedly whole during that process for us. So it was uh, it was, man, I mean, it was my entire childhood. I feel like, I mean, I just kind of jumped from sport to sport every, every season. I didn't really know what it meant to not play a sport whenever, whenever things went on. I remember having a conversation with my dad when I was about 11 or 12 years old and and he kind of looked up during the spring semester was like hey do you do you want to play baseball this semester or can you do you want to just take take a semester or take a take a season off and I mean I literally thought he was joking I was like I don't even I didn't realize it was an option like I didn't it just was what we did as a family so funny enough I did take that that uh season off just because I it was an option and all of a sudden I was like oh okay and I missed it just every single day and I wish I could get back in there so it um yeah to say it was a part of my my child would be would be an understatement i, I was always on a field somewhere
0: yeah I, I I can relate to that How's um what did you want to be a professional athlete? Was that one of your dreams and if so, like what sport?
1: yeah, I think I mean, man, what kid doesn't want to be a professional athlete at some point during the athletic <laughs> career, right? I think it's it's just the 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 hype around it and the the livelihood and the the lights and everything like that. and so certainly i I had interest for. For a bit, there growing up to uh, to be a professional player. And for me, it was always baseball. Um, that's what my dad played in college. That's what I sort of gravitated towards. I was, despite being from Texas, I was not a, a contact sport kind of a guy. So football never really <laughs> caught on for me. I was, I grew really tall really fast, um, but certainly didn't put the weight on to, to balance it out. So I was a, a sit and duck out there in the 50 yard line if I tried to do any of that. <laughs> yeah i i can
0: relate i always tell the story when i'm talking about this because most of the people i'm talking like yourself they had you know were successful athletes you know, I, I I ran uh track and cross country in high school and then into college which back when i was doing it wasn't i don't know how many people look at it as a sport i mean it was but uh you know I, I always would have loved to be a major league baseball player myself i just uh, unfortunately didn't have the talent for it so i kind of lived a little vicariously through coaching my son and youth sports and you know did the travel baseball thing which i'm sure you probably lived and breathed that stuff uh Played baseball growing
1: up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So starting at 12 years old down here, I got, quote unquote, scouted to be on a 12 U select team and never really looked back from there. So every year until it was time to go to college, I played on a select team, you know, and it was down here you can play pretty much year round So I'd play on the development team in the fall. I would do training with them in the winter. We'd start late spring after school season was over and we'd go all the way through the summer um, and you would just fit that in with your own summer ball for high school or your own coaches or whatever you were doing. So I think my sophomore year of high school, I played played in 90 games over the summer or something like that for baseball. Um, and I was one of those kids that specialized early. I I I was part of the era of kids that thought that that was the way to do things and, and not be a multi-sport athlete. And so I leaned into baseball pretty, pretty heavily after my freshman year in high school and didn't do much else, uh, really much up until I went to college. So it was, it was all baseball all the time there for the last, for the last three years or so.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, we're, we're in Florida. I know you're in Texas. So same thing, Florida, California, Texas, uh, you know, Atlanta, I mean, it's just all, all year round was, uh, playing uh, baseball or whatever sport for that matter. So you, um, you ended up, um, you know, after you graduate, you end up getting the college scholarship, right? Going into uh, uh, and you went to uh, Texas Tech, starting out.
1: I did, yeah. So I got a fifty uh, percent scholarship to go to Texas Tech. Um Actually, funny kind of side story. I thought I was going to go to Dartmouth. Um, Had spoken with them all during my junior year. Had a uh, had a verbal commitment from them going into the summer before my summer year. Senior year is the word I'm looking for, and. Uh, So I kind of, you know, I thought I was good. I kind of thought I was good. I rode that all summer, and I played sport, I played teams and things like that, but didn't really pay much attention to the recruiting sides of things. And August rolls around, and all of a sudden, the grades that weren't that were perfectly fine in May, now all of a sudden aren't aren't adding up in August. Which, (laughs) as I've learned more about the process, I've learned that just means somebody else was higher than me on the depth chart. But um, pretty much had to kind of restart my my recruiting process over September of my senior year. So I went to a ton of showcases, tried to go to a, as many events as I possibly could. And and yeah, I ended up signing with with Texas Tech in the early signing period, uh, November of my senior year.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you hear a lot of stories about that. I guess, uh you know, obviously academics come to play and we'll talk about that later and kind of what you've, uh, your journey now, what you're doing. So uh so once you're in college and and there's so much sacrifice, I mean, you, you did it as a kid growing up through high school and all that. I mean, I always talk about to other athletes, just some of the things that maybe the partying, let's say that you want to do with your friends that you couldn't necessarily do because you're practicing or getting up earlier games uh, and things like that. But w- once you're in college now, what are some of the things I mean, uh, uh, that school, the colleges, or, or did they do anything to help you um, in kind of shaping not only the sports side, but what you'd be doing in the future?
1: Yeah. So for me, I don't think I was really prepared for how much Division I athletics was a business more than it was a passion. Um, I love sports because I love playing sports. And so when I made the transition to Texas Tech, it was uh, not off-putting, but it was alarming or, or um, surprising to me uh, when they had my schedule handed out for me. I never even knew what my major was until I showed up to campus. They had that picked for me was an exercise science major um they had my schedule done for me they had my uh study hall hours picked out for me and so it was extremely regimented in that capacity and definitely my schedule was built to fit baseball so baseball was the the first thing and then everything else I kind of built around it to make it work and so for me that was um surprising and I think my freshman year I was Admittedly, really pretty excited about that because obviously, you know, college athletics, you want to go, you want to play. Oh, yeah. um, but I also was going from being the guy at my little high school, my little private high school to being a guy at Texas Tech with a nationally recruited group But Tim Tadlock's first year. He's turning the program around. He's pulling in a lot of guys from junior college that are 19, 20, 21 years old. I'm 17 when I get to college. And so for me, that was pretty shell shocking overall. Um, so it's, it, I think my first year of college kind of flip it on its head. I think it taught me a lot of things to, a lot of things that I never even knew could be problems or, or could be hurdles that I would need to sort of overcome in my school life and in my professional life. I was sort of letting them kind of write the script for me and and decide what my future was going to be. And it took me a few months to realize that that's not maybe necessarily how I wanted that process to go. I wasn't willing to trade the ability to play on a division one program or compete for a division one team to have sort of the rest of my college experience decided by my athletic advisor, sort of sitting in the, in the study hall group.
0: Right. right. Did they, I mean, and I'll know when you were, uh, when you were at school, did they have like, um, uh, like whether it be classes or, or people coming in to discuss kind of, you know, maybe like uh, next steps that, that, you know, as you're, because most people say that not too many people make it to the professional level. So a lot of the college athletes, once you're done, whether you get hurt or you're done, that's about it. So did they, were there people that work with you on that uh, perspective?
1: We had one class in our first semester at Texas tech that was built for student athletes. And it was exactly (laughs) like what you talk about. It was kind of to help put sports into perspective compared to the rest of your experience uh explain those statistics to you tell you how how unlikely it is for you to go pro um help you try to understand other passions that that you have in college um to be quite frank i think everyone kind of knew it was that one required class you had to take as an athlete um and a lot of folks there was a lot of um flexibility or leeway in how you wanted to complete that program or complete that class. And so looking back, now that I have the perspective that I do, I really wish I would have spent more time paying attention to that class and engaging with that professor a lot more directly because I think what they're saying is incredibly important and incredibly valuable. Um, But as a 17-year-old kid in my first semester in college, all I care about is getting to practice, trying to get more reps in, and then sort of trying to get established on on this team so uh we certainly had that resource whenever we were there at texas tech um timing may or may not have been a bit of a factor in how folks retained that information um but beyond that that's kind of the only resource that that i was aware of at texas tech for that was that was involuntary that you you had to be a part of and they were going to put you through and i
0: was there much interaction between the other athletes like for different sports
1: occasionally to be honest for us it, it depended a lot of who was sharing uh, equipment weight rooms training facilities at the same time so we ended up talking a lot with the softball players because we happened to work out with them uh track and field specifically the pole vaulters, for some reason we all knew them very well um it, it all kind of stemmed around when you had practice times available because you had at texas tech at least when i was there you had the football facilities and then you had the everybody else facilities and we were in the everybody else facilities. Yes. So whenever you, you'd be working on the field, they'd be working in the weight room, vice versa. You'd interact at that point. But man, to be honest with you, you know, seasons rolling around and and what's required of you at, at that level for college athletics, there's not a ton of time to run around and meet new people and, and do those things unless you see them while you're in the middle of doing something you're already, you know, assigned to do. It's, uh, it's tough to, to find folks and, and kind of make those connections.
0: What's the uh, – I'm good, good, uh, good segue there talking about like connections. So what um, – you know, a lot of schools you hear stories about um, alumni um, with athletics, and I think it's changed a lot. I mean, there's the, the sponsors and the boosters and things like that. But what kind of interaction at Texas Tech or then, you know, when you went on to uh, uh, Texas, did, did um, the alumni athletes come back at all and, and kind of work with the, uh, with the current athletes?
1: When I was there, uh we we had folks come back for rehab, we had folks come back for training when they were in the offseason from a baseball perspective. Um, but that was more for their own. They knew they would get quality facilities and quality training out in Lubbock with with those uh, with that staff. Um, they practiced with us occasionally and whatnot, but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily I didn't I didn't classify it as them coming back for us. It was more coming back for them. Um, and that was my just my personal experience with. Right. with Tech the year that I was there. Um, We had a lot more buy-in from the community, just folks that were fans. Um, Lubbock by nature, just being out in West Texas and kind of the only thing in town for the last, you know, for four hours in any direction. Um, got a lot of buy-in from the city, got a lot of buy-in from from folks in that area. But from an athlete perspective, you know, we really were were kind of isolated in that respect. If you had somebody who happened to be your position that came back for a rehab assignment, you could talk to them. But other than that, it was a new coach. It was a new coaching staff. So there, I don't think there were as many long-term connections to be made there as you may have at other at other programs that, got, that have coaches that have been there for a while or have been there forever and, and those different types of things. Yeah, I mean, because
0: like one of the things we're trying to do at Alumni Direct is, you know, in creating that platform is helping not only athletes, but just in general uh, alumni to reconnect or connect with each other. And uh, it, It's interesting. I was talking to one um, one agent who was saying her player wanted to go back. A uh, former NFL guy wanted to go back to his school and they almost... Kind of frowned upon it and I just I, I see and I'm not sure the reasoning but again uh, you would just think that, that that's a perfect thing to, to have these athletes come back and you know share their experiences um and a lot of them want to get back I mean I think it's like alumni in general there's certain times in your life that you're willing to get back and I think for athletes that uh, that's kind of this, uh, the same token too um one of the things that's a real hot topic right now is, is NIL name image likeness uh and it's it's become prevalent now of course it's been approved but Give me your thoughts on that related, maybe the goods and the bads of it.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, at its core, what they're trying to do with NIL and the freedoms and the, the opportunity that provides student athletes, a thousand percent in support of that. I think it's preposterous that you've got these billion dollar corporations, for lack of a better term, and some of these teams that are funding these, these applicant pools for these for these schools and no opportunity for those, for those athletes to to benefit off of that. You know, you look at Baylor, their new stadium doesn't get built without Robert Griffin, the third, you look at Cincinnati, they don't have $1.8 billion in possible admissions uh, income. If the Cincinnati football team doesn't make it to the college football final. So, or college football playoff, I'm sorry. So, you can directly see the impact that these kids are having on, on the schools themselves. And so, you know, to be able to make money off of what you're doing and how you're contributing to me makes complete sense. I worry that we have structured it in such a way that because the NCAA did not act proactively and because they sort of let the floodgates open for lack of a better term, you're now asking student athletes to be a student, an athlete and a small business owner. And no one is really there to explain that process to folks. And I think we idolize and we celebrate these folks who are signing these big Gatorade deals and these Buffalo Wild Wings deals and things like that. So we have this weird expectation that every kid should be getting that or should be owed that or or whatever. And at the end of the day, I I think it's more important to, to give kids an opportunity to find things they're passionate about and try to connect within their local community or folks that they know to create opportunities. I personally would love to see it shift more to a employee relationship, a salary relationship. I think that that's a healthier way to manage it. I think you can, you can do a little better job of creating some equality across different schools that may or may not have certain funding opportunities or media opportunities that other schools may have. Um, But to deny, you know, the players that do have an ability to make money beyond the school and in other capacities, I think is, is unfair to, to limit that.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And it's interesting. You talked to, um, I was talking to one former NFL player, and of course, from his perspective, he said it would be fantastic <laughs> back, back when he played many years ago that he could have got paid to, in college. But his concern related to you know, financial literacy, for example, and, and obviously that's a, it's a problem, and in, in you're you know, your, uh, you know, dealing with high school kids and, and all that and, and young college athletes, but uh, it could be any, any young youngster that just doesn't understand, like, hey, you just got paid by the way, you got to pay taxes or you got to do different things. And I guess there's definitely a need for that. And that's some of the things that I've talked about with some of these uh, resources out there that are, you know, working in that space or looking to maybe go into colleges and say, you know, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's come up with some kind of curriculum to help teach this, you know, so that, that, that you avoid some of those pitfalls that you're mentioning now.
1: Yeah, I think financial literacy is is such a wildly important aspect of of nil and it's it's impressed i think also understanding that it's we're, we're talking about kids right at the end of the day it, it doesn't matter if they're on the big screen or if they're getting paid all this money or whatever those are 18 19 year old kids and anybody who's interacted in that world at all knows that you can't just throw up you know tax forms on a sheet, call it resources and say that you've solved the problem. It's just not going to do it that way. So finding ways to effectively communicate what steps need to be taken to these kids, I think is going to be a huge aspect of what is what, sorry, of preventing, you know, problems in, like you say, taxes or small business setups or whatever it might be. They just need more help. They need more, for lack of a better term, handholding in a lot of these processes. And you can't just take advantage of the fact that their kids and they don't know how to read contracts. They don't know how to break down certain uh, sections of, of things that that require, you know, paybacks or whatever. So it's it's important that we start creating resources that, that meet them at their level and not just shoot something out that you would to a 25-year-old who's been in the workforce for a while, has had to pay taxes for a couple of years, gets it for the most part, just needs a little help. It's not the same thing.
0: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Uh, so um, kind of um, looking at the whole um, networking, connect, connecting aspect, and obviously that's you know, what we're trying to do here, but um, talk a little about that from an athlete perspective. Because uh, one of the things, I, you know, I had an interesting conversation with an agent, and he basically said the best time to network and connect as an athlete is when you're still playing. But in his opinion, most of the athletes, at least the ones that they represent, they don't do that. And then all of a sudden they're done and they're expecting like, Hey, well, here I am. I was a star athlete. I'm like, okay, well, congratulations, but you know, that's it. So talk a little bit about from your own experience and then kind of what you see and how people, uh, athletes can work together.
1: Yeah. You know, I'd have to entirely agree with, with, um, the person that you spoke with beforehand. I think that athletes have a false understanding or a false expectation that people are going to care who they are when they're done playing. And unfortunately, sports is a pretty shallow business. You know, folks are always going to care about who Derek Jeter is or Tom Brady is or Lewis Hamilton is and, and some of these places, but Serena Williams, you know, but for the majority of us, when we're done playing our objective value, our objective entertainment is now null and void. We're, we're existing in those, those people's environments at that point are or, or sort of non-athletes environments. And, we're not usually as equipped as they are to succeed in those environments. So, you've got to take advantage of the of the time that you have that leverage and you sort of have that that warm intro for lack of a better term for your recognition and and create those pipelines and create those connections that you can then tap into as a warm intro or as a friend or as an already connected network member when it comes time for you to move on to the next thing. I think you know exactly like you said it's you don't think about it in the moment because it almost seems stigmatized to consider, oh, why would I ever stop playing sports? Or if I think about stop playing sports, then that means I don't care as much. And that's just simply not the case. It's it's in no other scenario in your life, right, with a job or anything, are you told to completely block out all alternative options and only focus on plan A? It just isn't reasonable. So why should we do it as athletes?
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it, the, the big thing now, and you know, I talked about it, alluded in the beginning, too, is that you know, athlete transition is a major issue, whether it's from a mental health uh, perspective or even just like what we're talking about now, not know what to do and who to connect with and how to take those next chapter in your life. I mean, there's one coach that said, you know, telling his athletes, listen, you know, you got 30, 40, 50 years after college of life and you need to be doing some other things. So um, give me uh, kind of your perspective on your transition. Uh, from sports and and you know how you handled it and kind of what you're seeing around you with other athletes.
1: Yeah, so personally, the my transition sort of out of sport was the the main impetus for for why I found that athletes to athletes because it was not great for lack of a better term. Um, I was one of those people where I didn't consider what happens after sport. I I thought that that was bad. I thought that that meant I wasn't putting all you know everything and in, and in, into my sport when I was playing it, and so when I did decide to to quit playing baseball after my sophomore year in college, I just kind of looked up and went, okay, well now what? And and I coached for a little bit and I worked with some folks who used to coach me back in the day to do some pitching instruction and things like that. But I didn't have a plan for, for what I was going to do beyond that. I kind of was just to be honest, hoping that that covered it and I could sort of figure it out from there. I didn't really have, I, I didn't have a plan B or a plan C or any of that kind of stuff. So for me, the transition was really tough. And, and part of my process of trying to work through that was talking to other athletes and, and trying to figure out okay, hey, what, first off, am I crazy or is this something that other people are dealing with? I think that if nothing else, just it felt good to have, to feel like I was, you know, in the same corner as some other folks. And come to find out, right, it wasn't a me problem. It was a glaringly student athlete problem as a whole. Um, so that was, that felt good in the worst kind of way because it meant it was a problem, but it, it meant I wasn't alone. Um, and then after that, it was, it was kind of, you know, trying to figure out, okay, well, now what, like, how can I, how do I, how do I move forward in what I'm doing? And so for me, that ended up being a lot of free internships and trying to, I had to then build my network after the fact. Um, I ended up going to grad school, so I had an opportunity and sort of a, sort of a reason to go and do these things and, and, and meet new folks in the area, which for me kind of helped as a transitional warm intro period of my life, but Man, I, I I had to really, I started, you know, two, three years behind all my all my full-time student friends who yeah. went to college and maybe, I mean, you're not going to have your whole life figured out at 18 years old or 19 years old, but you can be working towards a major that puts you in a direction that that offers livelihoods that you're interested in or puts you in a direction of fields that you'd be interested in doing. I mean, when I was an exercise science major at Texas Tech, they had me in the pre-physical therapy track and I pass out when I see injuries. So like that's how off I was, and and what my college opportunities were providing me, and what I was moving towards, you know, as an athlete and as a as a professional.
0: Yeah, I mean I, that's what I, you know. Most of the people I talked, to, it's the same story. It's like, a, I guess the, you know, your fellow students are going through and they're getting their majors and getting internships and all that, and then here you are playing your sport, and then all of a sudden now they're they're ahead of the game, so to speak. So, you know, uh, like one of the guys I was talking, I said if you had an opportunity to tap into your alumni, um, whether it be an athlete alumni or just an alumni in general, what did that help? And he said, absolutely. would have changed the trajectory of his life because if he could have gone and said, okay, I'm looking for a job. But now all of a sudden you've got a fellow alumni from Texas tech or Texas that, that said, Hey, you know, CEO of a company could love to have you, that kind of thing. So, um, it, it's, I, I think there's definitely help that alumni can give and, uh, in that, that fact. So, um, Fast forwarding now, so you, you went through this transition, you've gone through some different things, and ultimately we'll talk about athletes to athletes in a moment, but uh, what kind of advice would you give to fellow athletes when that journey is up and, and things that they can maybe be in a better place sooner than later and start you know moving forward with their lives?
1: Yeah, and in respect to transitioning outside of being an athlete and sort of moving into that professional world? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think – you know, and it's going to sound like it's kind of on the nose, given what you've got behind you there. But I think networking is is the number one biggest thing. I think, you know, first things first, taking into consideration, you know, thinking of plan B or treating sports as your plan B. I saw something online the other day that was it was a pretty awesome concept to me is that, you know, your sport should always be your plan B. Your plan A should be what you want to do and what you want to do in college, what you want to pursue, what you want to ultimately do for the next 40, 50 years of your life plan B should be your sport. So if you're lucky enough to be able to do it beyond college or in college or, or wherever that, that can add on to what your plan A already is. It can be a bonus to your, to your life experience. But, you know, I think one of the most important things is especially when you are an athlete and and you are in college and you have these easy intros and easy connections to folks is meet as many people as you can. And when you if you're someone like me who who realizes it after the fact and you're done playing or you've graduated or whatever it is, be okay to to sort of be vulnerable and put yourself back in the mix and go to that school and say, Listen, guys, I screwed up. I should have been doing this beforehand. I'm behind. You know, I would love to have help. And that doesn't mean a coach. That means maybe it does, maybe it does in certain aspects. Maybe you want to go back and be a volunteer assistant to get a master's and and work on coaching or something like that. But I'm talking about your advisor. I'm talking about the professors that you had at that school. So whoever runs the career counseling services at that college, go get friendly with those people because they want to help you. If you're an alumnus of that school, regardless of whether you played sports or not, that is their job and that's how they want to buy in. So don't think that they don't care who you are anymore, just because you're not contributing to the football team or the volleyball team or whatever anymore. Their, their role is to help elevate folks in in your school past, present, future. So utilize those resources that you have and be okay to, to take roles that inspire you or you see pathways for, for quality professions. I took a free internship with a minor league hockey team in Austin for eight months with really just knowing that I needed to do something. I had to get experience. I had to start meeting people. And my supervisor at that program is who got me my first full-time job with a sports startup company in Austin, Texas. So didn't have anything to do with that front office space, but put me in a place where I could then meet people in an area that I was intrigued by and, and provided me an opportunity to showcase what I could do using sort of that athlete mentality and saying, okay, listen, these people are ahead of me. They're two, three years ahead of me, but I can work harder than every single one of these folks and I can show somebody that I'm a, I'm a quality hire. I'm a quality person. And I can build a quality profession.
0: I, I, two, two key takeaways there. I, I love what you said too, about the plan A plan B because typically the other way around or probably the most, most of the thought process would be. So I like that. thinking of plan A being what you're going to be doing in the future. Plan B being, B being the, the fun of the sport. And then the other thing too is everybody talks about um, the athlete mentality. And I think, you know, I, I probably look at myself too. A lot of my perseverance and determination were, you know, formed through being a runner and you know trying to, you know, reach the best possible, you know, goals that I can get and all that. So that, that, that is definitely a good thing. So now um, we're going to talk. You know, this, this is where I talk about the commercial, talking about athletes to athletes, which we talked a little bit off, uh, offline. But tell us more about it, and it's it's a for everybody out there. It's a, it's a really interesting. Um, Thing that uh, that Reed's doing, uh, but uh, you know, talk about the perspective of from the high school. That you know, that's where it's starting, but then also, you know, kind of how that might move along, you know, into the college level as well.
1: Absolutely. So, athletes to athletes is sort of the college counseling resource for high school student athletes that want to play college athletics, um, and it was founded on the impetus of my own my own personal experiences through college. Um, I was in a very fortunate position when I was in high school and, and looking at college opportunities, I was attending a private school. I was you know, pretty highly recruited as a, as a tall left-handed pitcher out of baseball. I was living in a city and in a state that allowed me to go to a lot of tournaments, get in front of a lot of people, have a lot of communication. Um, so, you know, for all intents and purposes, I should have really crushed that whole process. Um, and, and it crushed me. For for lack of a better term, I, uh, I I was really reactive in the process. I focused entirely on athletics. Um, and not to say that that Texas Tech isn't a wonderful university because it is, but it was not a, a good fit school for me. Um, the environment was not what I was looking for. The the major that I wanted to have that I wanted to be involved in was not available at the school. So if I really stepped back and, and took a look at it from a holistic perspective, it wasn't a good fit for me. And I was really relying on sports to make it all kind of line up. And what I learned and what I've learned through talking to other athletes as well is that, you know, you have to have a stable foundation when you go to college and and you you develop as a person and as a student athlete. And I was really, really hoping that this one leg of athletics was going to keep me standing. And it's just not the reality when you think about, you know, a table or whatever it might be. You know, you need academics, you need a personal fit. You need the finances to add up to, to make something that is going to, really provide you an opportunity to to grow into the person that you want to be and and create a sustainable lifestyle and professional career for the next 40 years of your life as opposed to focusing on just the next four. So at Athletes to Athletes, we work with high school kids directly in a college counseling capacity um, to help them find that best fit, you know, as a student athlete, as an individual, as a, as a student, full-time student. Um, you know, we want to focus on, on helping them find the best fit program and not just the most prestigious program that maybe is willing to offer them a walk on spot. Um, but that's really kind of what we focus on and what we do. We, we change the, the process from a reactive one to a proactive one.
0: Okay. And then, and it's, I guess it's like you're talking about, it's more, it's bringing everything together. It's, um, uh, not just a sport. It's, it's all, all things combined. What's the best school. So one might have a, a great academic program, but maybe not a great baseball program or whatever sport it might be and vice versa. So you're, you're looking to help guide them through. And I guess ideally you grab onto these people, uh, you know, when they're, when they're freshmen, is there a typical um, group of people that seem to gravitate to it?
1: Yeah, I think yeah, so to your point I think our our wheelhouse is probably, you know, second semester freshman all the way through the sophomore year. I think that allows us to we have a minimum 1 year uh membership with our group to make sure that we can make the impact that we want to make and so when we work with kids that young it allows us to sort of help shift that mindset and and move into the recruiting process and that recruiting stage with a lot more preparedness and education and empowerment in that process. Um but we tend to find folks who, you know, I think they really across the board i mean the the folks tend to find us when they don't know what to do they know they want to get recruited they know they want to play in college they're not really sure where i think 99% of kids start with hey i want to go d1 that'd be awesome yeah. so that's a pretty universal universal mindset but you know i think a lot of people they'll go online and they'll read you know all these recruiting companies recruiting specific companies that tell them that they're already behind or they tell them they need to do all these different things or they're sort of almost putting a uh, pressure on families or or a bit of a scare tactic on families. And and it can be a bit overwhelming and they don't really know what to do. Again, it's that whole thing of, you know, it's like someone hands you a physics textbook and says, Hey, you're two semesters behind, but you need to teach yourself physics and and we're doing our part because we provided the book. That's not really a reality in today's world. We need to have somebody to help understand this process discuss you know personal needs personal expectations personal goals and create a plan and a strategy that's going to help that family and more specifically that student athlete you know reach the goal that they want to reach their definition of success whether that's a top 25 division one program or any division division two insert thing here with you know a creative writing major that allows them to move into storytelling because that's what they're passionate about doing or whatever so we don't care so much about where you go to school, but I mean that in the sense of we're not going to try and market to other families by saying, "Well, we had three kids that went Division One, and we had six kids that were SEC." I don't. We don't really care about that so much as we do. Hey, we have all of our kids are are, are retained in the schools that they applied to. They've stayed through, and they have beaten the statistics of the forty percent of kids now that either quit or transfer as a student athlete before their junior year. We have kept our kids in the same program that they're excited about on an academic and an athletics points. And we've kept them from having to spend that average $15,000 per school transfer, regardless of whether you have an athletic scholarship or not. Those are the things that we want to try and try and help our families do. Now, do they,
0: as part of the program, do they look at all to, um, into the future as far as like, kind of like what we've been talking about throughout the show? Like, are they looking at, okay, well, picking this institution, yeah, you know, because of the academic space. and I'm also looking at when I am done with my college journey, you know, like I, I want, I want to know that I got that, that experience that's going to carry on, you know, more so for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we talk about in that process. And that, and that's sort of a major impetus of why we want to get to them early and change the way they think about college. I think, again, so many kids and so many families think about it as, okay, I'm focusing on I'm going to go through high school and I'm focused on the next four years. I'm going to be a college athlete for the next four years. And if you only focus on the next four years, you're really doing yourself a disservice by not seeing what that school and what those opportunities can provide for you to then jumpstart into the next 40 years of your life. So we talk about, Hey, is this, are these the kinds of people that you want to be around that, that go to this school? Is this an environment and a culture that is going to allow you to thrive As the person you want to be and connect with the people in your area? Do you potentially want to live in this city for the next three to five years after you graduate? Because statistically, somewhere in the ballpark of like 80 to 85 kids stay in their college hometown when they sign their first job because that's who they meet and that's what their network is. You know, do you want to do these things? Do you want to have the major that, you know, do you want to have the ability to take X major or Y major? Because sometimes those aren't available if you're choosing to play a particular sport at a particular level, there's the way that the schedules match up. It's not going to work. Are you willing to sacrifice this potential career field or this potential career trajectory to play on this particular sports team or whatever it might be and and helping them think about those options? Because I think so many kids, again, it it becomes a reactive process and that they get to the school and then all of a sudden go, okay, well now what? And they haven't thought about all these different pieces that can, that can play into like what you said, you know, become the, the professional career of, of their life. And if you've put yourself in a spot where you now have to transfer or fall back in credits or change what your major is going to be to stay at that school, you're already having to make sacrifices in your life that you may not have to have had you, had you proactively looked at schools a bit more in the high school process.
0: Yeah, and no, it's, it, it, it's, it is interesting because you're seeing it. A lot of people that I've talked to have said that, you know, obviously you can work on what we've been talking about earlier about shaping your college and once you're there but I guess just grabbing, grabbing them at a younger level. I mean, some people are even talking even prior to high school too, just helping to, you know, help these athletes to navigate through their, their futures. Uh, so now I would imagine like, so athletes, to athletes is a national program, right? I mean, even though you're based in Texas with the, the, the advent of, uh, of technology and everything else that allows you to to work with people in different markets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're fully digital. Um, we used to have an in-person component, pre-COVID, but I think we are one of many businesses that uh, adapted um, and, and innovated during that time. And yeah, we're, we're completely digital now and available across the country.
0: That's great. So tell us um, where people can find you. I mean, we'll put in the show notes as well, but, you know, just the athletes, athletes and any other thing you'd like to share.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So You know, the easiest place to find us is our website, www.athletestoathletes.com. T-O in the middle, not the number two. That'll take you to a different awesome company in Nebraska, but we have nothing to do with them. (laughs) Um, Instagram, Athletes to Athletes, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all the social medias, it's going to be that that same name. Um, You can follow us on LinkedIn if you'd like to. You can find me on LinkedIn, Reid Meyer, R-E-I-D-M-E-Y-E-R. Um, love to connect with folks on there as well and, and talk sports and talk college counseling and everything like that. But um, yeah, those are probably the best, the best ways to do it. If you go online and, and you can book a free session with us, if you want to learn more about what we're doing and uh, that, that free session will be with me. So it's an easy way to find me. If you want to, if you want to have a conversation.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. And I think people should definitely take advantage. It's, it's a great service that you're offering. Uh, it, you can find us, um, alumni direct, you can find us, at our website is alumni direct.com. And, uh, you can find us on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and, and uh, YouTube. We've got the show here. Uh, have Like I said, a lot of different athletes and coaches and people related will continue to do that. But, uh, Reed, it was awesome talking to you today. I really appreciate all the time. And uh, definitely go out there. I was telling Reed I've already got him a potential client. So uh, everybody go out there look out for his site. So thank you so much again for doing the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Rob. This was an absolute blast.
0: You're welcome.